درود به مردم شریف ایران من شهر افشار هستم میزبان شما در برنامه پالیتکس 365 امروز ما درخواست کردیم از یکی از کورسپاندنت های جدید خودمون الکس سلطان الکس سلطان قبلا تو برنامه ما شرکت کرده و یه فاینانشل انالیست اکسپرت کارشناسه ما ازشون درخواست کردیم که این موضوع 6 میلیون دلار رو یه ذره پیگیری کنه به قول آمریکایی‌ها فالو د مانی و واقعا این وضعیت این 6 میلیون دلار کجاست مخصوصا با توجه به حوادث وحشتناکی که در اسرائیل تازگی پیش اومده این 6 میلیون دلار میدونیم که به اصطلاح فروزن شده در اسکور اکانت قطر اما واقعا از کجا اومد کجا داره میره و وضعیتش چیه ما هر چی که خوب از کاخ سفید نگاه میکنیم میگن که هیچ یک دلار از این پول خرج نشده خب میبینیم از دوستمون الکس سلطان میپرسیم و این سوالا رو الکس واسه ما جواب میده قبل از اینکه بریم به برنامه الکس فقط دو تا به سوال موضوع پابلیک سرویس انانسمنت میخواستم به توجه شما برسونم اولا دوستانمون از امپاور ویمن میدیا یه برنامه تهیه دیدن در سیتی کانسل وست هالیوود در نوامبر 28 6 پی ام شش شب در خود چمبر وست هالیوود با شهردار وست هالیوود سفی شاین یه برنامه تهیه دیدن ایتس ا هیومن رایتس اسپیکر سریز و چند تا از کارشناسای حقوق بشر صحبت میکنن و واقعا یه مجلسی که اگه ممکنه اگه طرفای لس آنجلس باشین اون شب ترافیک زیاد بد نباشه لس آنجلس شیش خورتون رو برسونیم و وست هالیوود و در این برنامه مجانی رایگان شرکت کنیم خب بریم دنبال اصل قضیه الکس سلطان تیک ایت اوی تینک یو شایر هپی تو جوین پالیتیکس 365 از ای فریلانس فاینانشل کورسپوندنت هو ویل ٹریک نیو دیولپمنت انالایز دم رپورت انی اپدیتس اون دس پلتفرم سو اف انی بادی وانتس اس تو انالایز انی فاینانشل اور پلیتیکل ایشوز ویل فالو دی منی ویر ریلیز But first, allow me to introduce myself. I go by Persian Sultan. I have over a decade experience in international finance, corporate finance, global markets, and foreign exchange markets. Today, I would like to discuss with you Hamas, more particularly its connection with the Islamic Republic of Iran. I will bring to your attention its long-standing relationship of Iran supporting them financially, militarily, and globally. Now, before we go into that detail, I would like to give you a brief description, history of who Hamas is and where they came from. To start, Hamas is a Palestinian organization that emerged in the late 20th century. It was founded in 1987 during the period of heightened Palestinian-Israeli tension, known famously as the first Intifada. Now, Hamas is originated as a offshoot of the Muslim Brotherhood, a pan-Islamic organization out of Egypt. Initially, Hamas sought to combine provisions of social service with the promotion of extreme Islamic law. Over time, its mission evolved gaining a political dimension aimed at contesting Israeli occupation and settlements in Palestinian territories. In 2006, a significant development occurred with Hamas. They won a, a Palestinian election and emerged victorious. This victory led to this political to their political control over the Gaza Strip after a violent conf, conflict with Fatah. Fatah is the party of the Palestinian Authority, making Hamas a key political player in that region. Now, the international community's response was very mixed. 
obviously there are uh, organizations and communities that recognize Hamas as a legitimate political power, and while others, such as the United States, European Union, and Israel, designate them as a terrorist organization. This is predominantly due to its refusal to recognize Israel's sovereign state and its engagement in armed resistance. So, there is a change in the political landscape in which Hamas operates. It's often shaped by its sustained relationship with Fatah and the ongoing Israeli-Palestinian conflict. Despite several attempts at reconciliation and forming a unity government, tensions between Hamas and Fatah persist, impacting the broader quest of the Palestinian statehood. So the reason why we talk about this topic, as I mentioned earlier, is because of the continuous conflict that's been ongoing. Now, the recent attacks by Hamas terrorist organization has been gut-wrenching to watch and is absolutely horrible and is, should be condemned by all nations, regardless of whatever political aisle you sit on. That being said, uh, here's a few clips of what has been happening and has happened and viewer discretion is advised. This is terrifying footage showing the moment a student who attended a desert rave was snatched by Hamas terrorists last night. 25-year-old Noah Argamani was kidnapped yesterday with video showing her sitting on the back of a militant's motorcycle with her outstretched arms pointing towards her helpless boyfriend, pleading for her life as the gunman speeds off. Noah hasn't been seen since. Her boyfriend, Avi Nathan, distraught and helpless, is left behind in the desert. He too is missing. A sudden invasion by the Hamas group has already left at least 482 people dead and another 3,200 injured. In less than one day, dozens more are said to have been kidnapped and driven across the border into the Gaza Strip. This video filmed by a CNN producer on a highway near Tel Aviv's Ben Gurion airport shows people getting out their cars and diving for cover on the ground as black cloud from a huge explosion can be seen nearby. In the background, you can hear sirens warning of incoming rockets. It was at around noon local time, just over two days after Hamas attacked Israel and the sirens sounded in Tel Aviv and Jerusalem. Hamas confirmed it fired rockets on the two cities in a post on Telegram. We have some really uh, disturbing new information yeah. uh, out of Israel. The Israeli Prime Minister's spokesman just confirmed babies and toddlers were found with their heads decapitated. We had been hearing reports that this had happened, but now we are getting this confirmed directly from the Israeli prime minister's office that babies and toddlers did have their heads decapitated by these terrorists when they came into Kfar Aza. This is a small kibbutz uh, near the northern part of the Gaza Strip. When any Israeli hears about, you know, innocent lives like this being taken in such a brutal fashion, this is why I think we're hearing the rhetoric from the Israeli military and from the Israeli government, the likes of which I have never heard before. So do you, there you have an understanding of the recent conflict and the amount of aggressive, barbaric violence that the uh, Hamas uh, terrorist organization has implemented. But we draw back from that uh, for a second and ask us how they got to this level, where that stems from, and how they've been trained. All evidence internationally su uh, supports that Iran, the Islamic Republic of Iran, is the one funding and training Hamas. There's been attention that's been given to the $6 billion that the Biden administration just released in exchange for five hostages. 
but the deal is a little bit intricate and more detailed than the black and white that the Biden administration and the uh, other side, the conservative Republicans are pushing. So I'm going to give you guys the actual detail, follow where the money goes and make general uh, verifications uh, based on data. So the following is how the deal is structured. Um, issues going on in Israel uh, with the Hamas attack and there's been so much information that's been pushed out there to try to point whatever political side you're on and we need to talk about it on where the money trail goes and the facts behind it and what actually is true. Uh, for a lot of you that don't know I have an extensive background in finance. Uh, I've worked for international companies, dealt with forex markets, uh, international trade, so I have a little bit of a above average understanding of how the Forex market works. Now the details of when this deal was actually formed, um, we're not certain, but this Washington Post article is dated August 10th. So let's say about mid-August is when the deal was formulating and they all agreed and the news articles either picked it up or it was leaked. Um, so let's try to follow the timeline and then detail the um, what is accurate and what is not accurate about what's being said. But first, let's talk about what this actual money is. It was six billion U.S. dollars held at a South Korean bank because South Korea bought some oil from Iran uh, during the uh, Trump administration, and there was sanctions implemented. South Korea then uh, money was frozen because it is American funds, so the Treasury at that point can issue. Um, sanctions. Now we're going to talk about the money issue, like what currency is used in a minute, but then the money was, was held. Now, Iran has, as always as they do, they held uh, American um, citizens or Iranian American citizens and the uh, Biden administration agreed to release those funds in exchange for the five, um, pass uh, five uh, hostages. So then the United States said that they will release the funds. And the way that they're going to release it is that they will agree for South Korea to transfer the funds through Switzerland and then eventually settle at Qatar, at a Qatari bank. And um, the idea behind the deal is that they were going to, um, only for humanitarian aid through vetted vendors and third-party suppliers and so on, and then it was going to get transferred to uh, Iran, um, whatever aid was purchased in this deal. What is your expectation of its use? We're told that it's for humanitarian purposes, food and medicine. Do you believe you have the right to use that money in any way that you see fit? This money belongs to the Islamic Republic of Iran, and naturally, we will decide, the Islamic Republic of Iran will decide to, to spend it wherever uh, we need it. So if I hear you clearly that it will be used for more than humanitarian purposes in your view? Humanitarian means whatever the Iranian people needs. So this money will be budgeted for those needs. And the needs of the Iranian people. was President Raisi, the president of the Islamic Republic, and he had an interview with um, a American news anchor, and he plainly just said, no, we're going to decide what we want to spend the money on. The Islamic Republic will decide what they spend the money on, on the humanitarian aid. And this counter, it, this, this is from the president of Iran, 
And this con completely contradicts what the Biden administration has been saying, which is this. Money. Um, He's wrong. How are you going to guarantee that? Because once the money is, money's fungible. So once no it's released. No man, no man, it's not fungible. He's just wrong. He's just flat out wrong. The way this, the way this deal is arranged is that these, these, the $6 billion, which is Iranian money, will go to a Qatari bank, Qatari National Bank. The Iranians can request withdrawals for it for humanitarian purposes, and the Qataris and it will be and and uh, and us. We will have oversight, sufficient oversight, uh, into the request itself to validate the request, and then to deliver funds appropriate to that request. The money will be then will then go to qualified vendors to purchase and deliver the food, the medical supplies into Iran. So it will go directly to aid organizations. Or, or appropriate relevant organizations inside Iran so that the Iranian people can benefit from it. And that's an important point, too. Uh, while we certainly have issues with the regime, we don't have issues with the Iranian people. And this funding... So the deal, um, this article dated September 11th, said the Biden administration uh, formed Congress on Monday. So basically that week that they did the deal. And the... Um, so um, John Kirby, I believe his name is, uh, gave you the detail of how the deal is structured. And you had a contradictory statement from the president of Iran, right? You see now you can argue the president of Iran doesn't know what he's talking about or he's just, uh, you know, lying about it. But what this clip that I showed you of John Kirby um, gives us a little bit of insight on how to follow this deal and how to then poke holes and how this actually will not happen. But first, there's something that... Yeah, I realize that it's really difficult to pull from American news articles, and they're failing to point out one thing that I think pokes a hole in, in the Biden's uh, approach. Okay, so this is a little bit of a weird situation because you can't find this in, if you do a Google search on to get the details of the $6 billion Iran deal. I've gone through articles to try to pinpoint from uh, the details, and you can't. Uh, what it does tell you is sidesteps this point. And if you re read these articles, it says through transfers, it goes to a bank in Qatar. But what they're not telling you is that um, this is from Iran International. Now, I want you to pay attention to this thing. Mohammad Reza Farzin, he's the chief of the Iranian central banking system. And he announced that $6 billion of American dollars through South Korea and through Switzerland is going to be transferred over to Euro, which equates to about $5.7 billion. Now, why would they want to transfer it to euros? It's very simple. The United States controls the American dollar. The American dollar is a world currency. When the Treasury issues sanctions, anywhere in the world that it has a transaction that uses the greenback, it's going to be frozen. That's what happened in South Korea. The, the money was an American dollar. Treasury issued a sanction. The money was frozen because legally they can't touch it. But when you transfer it to euros... The American Treasury, the Treasury Department has no control over euros. Then they have to work with the European Union to issue sanctions or wherever. But the way that this deal was structured is that the Qatari bank that it sits in will give updates, will go through monthly processes or whatever that goes vetted. But that's a hole in this logic because the American currency is controlled by the Treasury, but the Treasury does not control the euro. So that's one. But there's another point that I think is worth mentioning. So I'm going to move myself out of here. So this is a uh, newspaper from Qatar, um, and this is, article is dated September 28th. Now, as you mentioned, as you may recall earlier in my video, it was 
about late August, mid mid August, that the seal was finally open to public, and then in early September they issued a temporary relief of the sanctions to move over to Qatar. Now September twenty eighth, this gentleman right there is Mohammed Reza Farzin, and the gentleman sitting beside him is the governor of Qatari Central Bank, so his equivalent. So they meet almost on a monthly or or every couple of months to discuss bilateral discussions on between the two bilateral economic uh, discussions between the two nations particularly in the banking field so there's a little bit of a of a coincidence in there i i don't think things like this happen on a coincidence but ever since the relations between qatar and iran have been uh, eased they've been meeting um regularly to issue new trades uh economic relief on both sides and particularly in the financial and banking fields so finally if i'm a business owner I'm a mullah. I'm part of the Islamic regime because every business of some sort, large-scale international business, is somehow controlled indirectly or directly by the Islamic regime. I purchase goods, food for humanitarian aid. Once that food comes in, I get paid. I put that money into the Islamic regime. I take maybe a percentage, a tiny percentage of it, and that money gets funneled up. Now imagine large-scale international purchases, multi-million dollars. Eventually that money is going to get eaten up, and 95% of it is going to go to the Islamic regime. The economy in Iran does not work in the way you think it works. It's incredibly corrupt, and everything gets funneled through the Islamic regime. So, do not believe everything you hear, regardless of whatever political side you sit on, and verify information. Now, let's quickly discuss uh, the history between the two Islamic Republic of Iran and Hamas itself. The relationship is primarily rooted in a shared opposition to Israeli presence in the region and a commonality that has fostered both ideologically and in material support. Iran's backing for Hamas dates back to the early 1990s following the establishment of Hamas itself. The support is manifested in a variety of forms, including financially, militarily, and political assistance. Iran's financial aid has been a lifeline for Hamas, especially during the hardships of the economic times during the Gaza Strip. The military assistance is another facet of the relationship. Iran has been reported to provide Hamas with weaponry and military training, boosting Hamas's capacity in engaging in armed resistance. This military alliance reflects a shared strategic interest in challenging Israeli military dominance. On the political front, the support for uh, Iran provides Hamas. The support from Iran provides Hamas with an semblance of international backing, a largely hostile international environment. This backing also has afforded Hamas a kind of leverage in the geopolitical arena, however limited it might be. However, the relationship has had its ebbs and flows, influenced by broader regional dynamics and international politics within both Hamas and Iran, for instance. For, for instance, the civil war in Syria has drawn ideological differences between the two organizations. Now, we need to take a step back from that and pay attention to where the money goes and how to follow that data. So the United States State Department issued a report back in 2021 on the um, nations in the world that are terror sponsors. And Iran is definitely on the list and this is what the report found. This is a downloadable report found on State Department. Uh, just search 2001 terrorist report uh, with Iran. Now, it found that Iran continued providing weapons, systems, and other support to Hamas and other U.S.-delegated Palestinian terrorist groups, including the ones listed above. 
The Council for Foreign Affairs, uh, which is an independent nonpartisan organization think tank, also published a report showing connection between Hamas and the Islamic Republic, particularly money. This report in detail states that in 2006, when Hamas came into power, the United States and EU cut off funds and aid. Iran and publicly came out and pledged 50 million in support. And another source, a report by the Washington Institute of Far East Policy, great report and worth the read, also shows connection between uh, Iran and uh, Hamas terrorism. The report found in May 21st, Hamas political bureau chief Ismail Hanya, forgive me, praised Iran for enabling its intense bombardment, noting that Tehran did not hold back with money, weapons, and technical support. And finally, uh, the, from the Foundation Defense of Democracies, another think tank uh, quoted the Israeli defense minister stating that Iran sends $100 million annually to Hamas and roughly $700 million annually to Hezbollah. This number has also been backed by the State Department's report. So there's been multiple sources that have proven this fact, and we need to draw attention to it. So, Shari, as you can see, there is a lot of evidence to support the direct connection with the Islamic Republic and Hamas how they aided them financially and militarily. For more detail and continuing discussions, please follow me on my social media on Persian underscore Sultan, that's with the U. And thank you, Shadia. Back to you.